Thank you, Brother Charles. The ways of wise men. We're going to be looking at uh, the wise men quite a bit this Christmas season. In fact, we looked at them uh, already this past Wednesday night, and we're going to look at them again this morning and probably a couple other times before this season is passed. I love this season. I do. I love this season. The season is magnificent because this season is about Jesus. Now, church, you gotta, you got to preach with me this morning, all right? I know this season is busy. I know some of you are still turkey hungover from Thanksgiving. I know some of you are tired uh, physically and emotionally from family and work events that are happening all over the place. But I want to encourage you, tune in with me this morning, uh, because this season, church, is about Jesus. Jesus is not a reason for the season. He is the reason for the season. And it's good for us to remember, this season is not about the kids. Oh, the world will tell you it's about the kids, but it's not about the kids. It's not about the gathering, it's not about the food, it's not about the gifts. Jesus is the reason for the season. I think the church of Jesus Christ ought to make much of Jesus at Christmas time. When we give, talk about how we give because God gave. When we help the less fortunate, talk about how we help and love others because God loved and sent help to us. Let's just make much of Jesus. At every turn, let's just make much of Jesus. In our families, in our community, in our congregation, let's make much of Jesus. And that's one of the reasons that I like looking at the wise men. Because in the wise men, we find a, a group who, they made much of Jesus. They really did. We have this, these wise men uh, that sometimes are called the Magi. To give you a little background, the wise men were from the east. Probably uh, the old uh, uh, Babylon, modern day Iraq, maybe even Iran. And their name, the wise men of the Magi, it refers to their occupation or their profession. That they were learned and respected priests and advisors. And so to maybe give you a little bit of biblical context, this would have been the group that Daniel was put in with and then put over in the Old Testament. And so they were high-ranking, typically wealthy, very learned, and very respected priests and advisors. But what we remember about these guys and why we love their names so much is because these guys were not just wise men in their occupation, but they were wise men in operation. Not just in their profession, but in their practice as well, how they lived their life. And as you look at the Christmas story... We hold them in high esteem for the part that they have played. And I believe we have much that we can learn from these men. And this morning, I want to examine their story and draw from it a couple of applications about the ways of wise men. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. There the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of the people, or he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, 
And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So what makes a wise man? What can we learn from these men this season? Number one, the ways of a wise man demand that we have a deserving pursuit. A deserving pursuit. These men were looking for Jesus. How do we know they were men? If they were women, they would have stopped and asked for directions earlier. But I will touch on that in a different sermon later this season. These men were seeking Jesus. They were seeking the king. Hey, they wanted King Jesus. Now this is what's cool. They had kings where they came from too. So it's not like they had never seen a king before. It's not like they had never been a part of royalty. The wise men typically lived and worked in the courts of the king. But they knew that this was no ordinary king. They knew there was something different about this one. Isaiah 9 and verse number 6 reminds us, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, you know, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What made these men wise men is that theirs was a deserving pursuit. Now you can contrast this with the pursuit of others. You know, I see Herod in this passage. Herod's pursuit was himself. Herod's pursuit was Herod. All Herod wanted was for his place, his power, his pleasure to remain and grow. And Herod wasn't going to let anyone threaten his position. More on that later. Herod's pursuit was himself. By the way, that's still most of the world's pursuit today themselves. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, period. I mean, our entire culture is basically built off the Burger King motto, have it your way. And it has not just crept into the church, it has infected and sickened the church today. And so we see most of the world, the culture, even the church, we are pursuing ourselves, And because of that, we live empty lives. The vast majority of people spend their lives chasing fool's gold in bubbles. What do you mean by that? Fool's gold, it glitters, but it's worth nothing. Bubbles, what do you mean by that? Ooh, it's so pretty and it's distracting, but it's so empty, there's nothing to it. It amazes me that we have more money than we've ever had. We've had more toys than we've ever had. We work less than we ever have. For all the whining we do about work, we work less today than any other generation in human history Period. We have greater amusements than ever before. We have opportunity for entertainment like never before. And yet we are as empty or more empty than we have ever been. Why? Because when you live pursuing self, you live an empty life. You will never fulfill you. Can I tell you in love this morning? Don't waste your life on yourself. It's empty. It's empty. Herod ended up going mad. 
It's empty. It's empty. It is a low and unfulfilling pursuit. So when you contrast the wise men to Herod, you see they had a deserving pursuit. Can I point out the priests as well? You know, I think the priests' pursuit here was their own system and their own survival. Number one, Herod was straight crazy. And again, we'll get to that in a minute. So they were going to do whatever they had to do to stay alive. But the priest's pursuit was really just the system that they had built, the system that they had created. They had their feasts, they had their works, and their pursuit was maintaining the status quo. The priests are the ones that puzzle me more than anybody else in this entire passage because the priests knew They knew the prophecy from Micah chapter number 5. They knew about Messiah. This was supposedly the one that they had waited on for hundreds of years. They knew. And Bethlehem was only five miles away. They knew. And yet they were unmoved. They were indifferent. They were unaffected. We don't see where any one of those scribes, priests, any of them, religious leaders, went to go see the newborn king. Because at the end of the day, their pursuit was their system. And they didn't want Herod or anyone else, see how they treated Jesus later, to mess with what they had. By the way, for them, religion as they knew it was enough. You know, there's a lot of people who we've built our little comfort zones and we have circled our little wagons and we have it the way we want and it's the way we've always done it. And you can fill in the blanks. I'm going to tell you, if all we're doing is pursuing maintaining status quo of a system, whether it's a religious system or a relationship system, hear me, a little bit of religion, you know what that's like? It's like a flu shot. Religion is like a flu shot. It's a little dead version of the real thing that makes you immune to the real thing. We don't need religion. We need a relationship with the king. I'm not pursuing a system. I'm pursuing the Savior. And what made the wise men wise men was that they had a worthy pursuit. They weren't living for self. They weren't living to prop up some system. They were looking for Jesus. Church, consider the ways of wise men. Let me ask you, this Christmas season, are you living, pursuing what matters? Consider the millions and billions of dollars that's going to be spent on worthless junk this year. Like the sun rises and sets on worthless junk. No, the sun rises and sets on Jesus. Are we living for what matters? Teenagers, are you living for what matters? matters are you pursuing what matters Matthew 5 and verse number 6 Jesus said blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled Paul admonished Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 11 but thou O man of God flee these things and follow after pursue chase after righteousness godliness faith love patience meekness church are we pursuing what matters the wise men this morning remind us not to waste our lives living for self or for system but live it for the savior The ways of a wise man, we see, number one, come with a deserving pursuit. 
I want you to see what else the wise men teach us this morning. Look at verse number 7. Then Herod, when he had privily or privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Maybe I'll have opportunity to talk about the star, all right? So I've been, I've been doing a little bit of study on this. Somebody, somebody in the church was asking me questions, kind of churned my thinking. You know, there's a lot of things we assume about this story that are not biblical, we, we learn them from storybooks and songs, but not the Bible. I, I, I might have opportunity to talk about this star. I don't think it was a regular star. And I don't think it was the conjunction of planets either. You may disagree, and we can still be friends and all that good stuff, but that's something worth looking into. But he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went over before them. And it came and stood over where the young child was. Paul's right there. That's why I don't think it was a traditional star or a conjunction of planets because it seems to pinpoint things pretty specifically. Verse number 11, uh, and when they were come, in, uh, verse number 10, sorry, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Ways of wise men, number one, we see what, church? That they had a deserving pursuit. They lived for what mattered. Number two, we find the ways of a wise man that they have a determined perseverance. A determined perseverance. Back out a little bit and we think about the resolve of these men. You know, the journey that they had gone on required a great cost. By all indications, they had traveled at least 900 miles over several years. Not by car or SUV. Not by Uber, but by foot and by camel. I told the church Wednesday night, I'm inconvenienced when I've got to go up to the fridge and back. These guys, 900 miles over deserts, over rivers, over mountains, over the scope of what probably amounted to several years. Over that time, I'm sure they faced loneliness. I'm sure they faced ridicule. I'm sure they faced danger of exposure and bandits. All of this to find Jesus. And to make matters worse, when, when they got to where they thought they were going, they found out they were in the wrong place. But they didn't give up. They didn't stop short. They didn't turn back. Church, can I ask us, what has happened to our resolve as Christians? You know, Jesus, he calls us to put our hand to the plow and not look back. We're called to take up our cross and follow him. We're called to not give up, called to not give in. Yes, sometimes there are times that will be dry like the desert. Sometimes there will be uh, times that are difficult and seemingly mountainous. Sometimes we, we find that the currents of this life will seek to pull us down. Sometimes the, the, the journey may take longer than we anticipated. Sometimes it might be lonely. Sometimes others might ridicule you. Sometimes you might even find yourself exposed to danger. But church, keep 
on following the light God gives you and resolve to persevere. You know, I find sometimes that church attendance drastically changes depending on the weather. Why is that? I think perhaps it speaks to our resolve. Well, it's a little bit rainy. It's a little bit windy. My my favorite team is playing the early game, preacher. You know, we talk about, as we talked about earlier, worshiping and giving towards the things of God. How, How does the Bible call us to give? God calls us to give in accordance with as he has blessed us. As he has given us increase. Not in accordance with the thousand other things that we like to bring into consideration. Well, what is the rate of inflation this month? What do my extra expenses look like? What is this? What is that? Over here. Over there. No. We are to uh, honor God as he has been faithful to us. Hey, life is hard. Following Jesus is not easy. He never sugarcoated it. Marriage is hard, kids are hard, living pure is hard, witnessing is hard. But Christians, we are called to press toward the mark. Philippians 3.14 Press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, that we as Christians, like the wise men, would just determine that we're not going to stop short of what God has for us. That we're not going to stop short of what God has called us to. That we are not going to give up. We're not going to sit down. We're not going to stop. We are going to press on for the glory of God until we get where we're going. We see their resolve. Sometimes I think we miss this. We also see their risk. You know, there was great risk in what they did. Because as I mentioned earlier, Herod was crazy. Now let me give you a little background on this guy we call Herod. Herod had been named the king of the Jews by the Romans, even though Herod was not a Jew himself. Herod had eventually married a Jewish lady in order to try to gain popularity with the people that he ruled over. But then he killed her. And he killed her brother. And he killed his two sons. And he killed many of his officials, his army generals, his senators, his soldiers, and any citizens that he suspected of disloyalty or of being a threat to his throne. So much so that the Caesar once said of Herod, I would rather be Herod's pig than Herod's son. When it came time for Herod to die, it is written that he went so far as to arrest the prominent citizens of Jerusalem and signed them to be killed upon his death. He said, the people will not weep when I die, and I want them to weep, even if they weep over someone else. Herod's bloodthirstiness was no secret. So you can imagine the risk involved when these men showed up in Jerusalem and said, Hey, where's that newborn king? They were literally laying their life on the line to find Jesus. We talk of their resolve. We talk of the risk. 
You know, a Christianity that costs you nothing really is nothing. We all want a sure thing right now. That's what we want. I want to know that this medicine will work and will work now. I want to know that this investment will work and will work now. I want to know that this plan will work and it will work now. And I'm going to tell you, I think that really goes a long way to explain why the so-called prosperity gospel has been so successful. Because you have a charlatan stand up uh, with with a jacket on and say, well, if you just give so much money, God will have to give you good health or more wealth or or whatever it is. And, And we have this... This so-called prosperity gospel that is swept across our country and really sweeping across the world. And it's a lie. It is an absolute lie. God has not called us to, to health and wealth. God has called us to lose our lives for his sake and the gospels. Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse 35, he said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Ours is a call to take up our cross. Ours is a call to charge the gates of hell. Now hear me, I'm not talking about being irresponsible. I'm not talking about being irresponsible. But I am talking about having enough faith to just say, you know what? No matter the cost and no matter the consequence, I'm going to follow Jesus, period. It amazes me that we're willing to take risks all over the place except when it comes to the things of God. The wise man says, I can't settle for less than Jesus. And so the ways of a wise man, it it involves a determined perseverance. Ways of the wise man, number one, it, it brings what? A deserving pursuit. Number two, it brings a determined perseverance. Look with me at these last two verses. Actually, we'll back up to 10 if we could, Evan. We'll go 10, 11, and 12. There the Bible says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country. Another way. Ways of a wise man, number one, a deserving pursuit. Are you living for what matters? The ways of a wise man, number two, a determined perseverance. How easy is it for us to give up, pull back, slow down, get redirected, to settle for less than Jesus and what he has for us? For the ways of a wise man, number three, brings a directed path. As I look at these wise men here, I, I see, number one, their gifts. Now, I'm going to be short here because if you want to hear more on the gifts, you need to come on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights is a beautiful time for us as a church. We have a wana, we have grief share, we have prayer meeting in here, and then we get into God's word together. Hey, prayer still matters, amen? 
church still matters. I tell you, Wednesday night we talked about the gold. We talked about King Jesus. And it was awesome, awesome time to be together. So th- these coming weeks, uh, uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about frankincense and myrrh. You want to hear more on that? Come on Wednesday nights and uh, be blessed by that. But what I do want to point out here is that these learned, respected men, what they did was they walked into this peasant house and they fell on their face in front of young Jesus and worshipped him. That's odd. That these learned, respected men would bow before a baby or toddler child. And then they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And there is so much symbolic significance there. But my question for you this morning is simply this. Do you let his greatness direct your gift? Everything they did was in response to who he was. You see, I don't just bow before any baby. I don't walk home and look at baby Timothy and bow before him. I don't look at the other babies around here and bow before them. That's weird. We don't do that stuff. But they did. Why? Because of who he was. If I give a kid something, I'm going to give the kid a piece of candy. Probably a Tootsie Roll. Or a Lifesaver flavor that I'm not particularly fond of. I'm not going to give a kid gold. I'm not going to give a kid expensive perfumes and spices. I'm not going to do it. For those of you in that realm, I'm not going to give them expensive essential oils. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because it's seemingly not appropriate. But they did it. Why? Because of who he is. But do you and I allow his greatness to direct our gift? And yeah, we can talk about financial giving. We've mentioned that already, though. I mean, if God's not spoken to your heart by that now, you, you, you need to get in his word and listen. But I'm talking about more than that because God deserves more than my money. God deserves Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body, living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, Unto God, which is your, I think we all need to say that word, which is your reasonable, sir. Not your extraordinary service, not your above and beyond service, which is your reasonable service. You see, if you and I are honest and we are letting His greatness to direct our giving, then that means He deserves all of me. Not just my Sunday mornings sometimes, but my Mondays and my Tuesdays and my Wednesdays and my Thursdays and my Fridays and my Saturdays. He deserves all of me. Not just my money sometimes, but he deserves to be in charge of all of me. Of all of my relationships, of all of my hopes, of all of my dreams, of my involvement in church, my spiritual gifts. All of it he deserves. He deserves all of it. But are we letting his greatness direct our gifts? I find it funny, too, because to to, to just kind of bring it down a little bit, Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' birth, right? 
It's the birthday of the king. Now, when you go to somebody's birthday or you recognize somebody's birthday, you typically what? You, you bring them gifts. But isn't it funny then that we as Christians, what's the ratio do you think between when we come to Jesus looking to bring him something or when we come to Jesus looking for something from him? You see, I think if we measure that ratio, we're, we're wanting gifts from him far more than we're bringing gifts to him. But Christmas is his birthday. And if there's any time of the year for us to stop and say, I'm going to bring you a gift, Lord, because you're worthy. I think it's this season that we stop, and we, we stop asking so much of him and make sure we're bringing to him what he deserves. I see their gifts, but I also see their goings. Did you catch verse number 12? Remember, Herod, Herod had told him, you, you let me know where you find the child, and, and I'll come worship him too. Oh, we see later that Herod had very different motives, so much so that he would come and he would kill every child two years and under in that city. But the wise men, the Bible says in verse number 12, being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So we see a directed path, not only in their giving, but also in their going. They were warned of God not to return to Herod. Very simply, God spoke, they listened. God spoke, they listened. They didn't have a conference afterwards. Uh, They didn't ask Mary and Joseph what they thought. They didn't take a poll of the townspeople. They didn't send a reconnaissance mission back to Jerusalem to confirm whether or not what they had seen was true. God spoke, they listened. You will never go wrong following God and His Word. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here's the thing. We have this in our idea that they are wise men and wise men know what they're doing. No, wise men are wise enough to listen to what God has said. You see, I don't direct my path if I want to be wise. I've got to let God's wisdom direct my path. God spoke. They listened. Wise men don't follow the crowd. They don't follow their feelings. They don't follow their wants. They don't follow their opinions. They don't follow the culture. They follow God's word. Wise men recognize they don't have all the answers. And they allow God to lead them. And here's what I love about You look at this story from beginning to end. The wise men always had enough light to take the next step. They didn't have all the answers from day one, but they always had enough light to take the next step. Now, I want all the answers from day one. Sometimes if I don't get all the answers, I just kind of want to, well, where is this going? And I want to stop. Here's the thing. Don't stop. Don't stop. You always have enough light to take the next step. And so if you're stuck this morning or we feel like we're not really making progress or growing, I'm going to ask you, what light are we not receiving to take the next step? Because as believers, we always, whether it's the Spirit within us, the Word of God in our hands, the servants of God that He puts in our lives, the counselors and friends, we always have enough light. 
And if you receive the light God gives you today, he will give you the light that you need tomorrow. But here's the thing. Don't ask for more light when you won't receive what you already have. As a pastor, I have the opportunity on many occasions to talk with people. What is heartbreaking is how often we will talk about things in my office. And, and then I'll get a response like, I know that's what the Bible says, but. Why? What, what, what thing could come after that word but that could have any bearing on that first part? If that's what the Bible says, it's not but, it's period. And then it comes down to the decision. Am I going to let my path be directed? Am I going to have enough perseverance to keep going even though it might cost me something? Am I going to live my life for what matters with a worthy pursuit? I know what God says about being in church, but I know what God says about forgiveness, but I know what the Bible says about, uh, about how I can have victory over sin and strongholds and the accountability and help that's available to me, but you see, wise men, though, have a directed path. These guys lived up to their name because they sought and worshipped Jesus. And they walked in and saw Jesus. They didn't mock, they bowed. When they walked in and saw Jesus, they didn't doubt, they worshipped. They didn't procrastinate, they responded to the light that they had given. And when they had truly seen and worshipped, the Bible says they departed into their own country another way. In other words, can I put it like this? When you have an encounter with Jesus, our King, our God, our Redeemer, when you truly come to Him in faith, you cannot leave the way you came. Church, wise men, Still seek him. Do we? This morning is we come to the time of the service where we call it the invitation. Basically, it is our invitation to respond as God's word has spoken to our hearts. There are probably some here this morning who, as we talk about Jesus being the Savior, You know, you've never made that decision to make Jesus your Savior. I'm going to tell you, if you're here this morning, we talk about the ways of a wise man. Uh, We talk about a deserving pursuit. I think there is no more worthy thing to know than to know that your soul is right with God because you've received the Lord Jesus as your Savior. 
This morning, if you're here and you've not trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you're not sure where you stand with God, in just a moment we're going to stand and the musicians are going to begin to play. And I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to get my attention, get someone's attention, and take this time. Receive the invitation to come to know the Lord Jesus. We'll have somebody take God's Word and show you from God's Word, not the preacher's Word, not the church constitution's Word, uh, not, not, not some online thing, but from God's Word, how you can be saved how you can be a part of the family of God how you can be born again if you're here this morning and that's you I'd encourage you just a moment we'll stand heads bowed eyes closed would you get it settled today Christians let me ask you when we look at the ways of the wise men how wise are we how many of us this morning would say you know what preacher I'm living life, but I'm not really pursuing what matters. If I'm honest, I've pursued myself a lot more than I've pursued the Savior. If I'm honest, my perseverance, my resolve, my willingness to to take that risk of just walking in faith according to God's word. it, It hadn't been, I've been making it work for me, preacher, but that isn't what God has called me to. I wonder who this morning would say, you know what? God's given me light. I need to receive it. I need to walk in it. I need to let His greatness direct my gifts. Church wise men still seek Him. And I can't think of a better way to kind of kick off this Christmas season than to make sure that we are walking as wise men before Him. Because only then can we truly make much of Jesus.